Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSight News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? I'm thrilled to be with you. I'm still, now we're coming to you from our mobile home in um, in Tyler, Texas. So it's not the beautiful wall that Monica has, but at least our Lord is with us up there. Um, and I'm happy to be with you. This is Tuesday, the day before Lent. Um, I we, we met with the sisters here last night, and well, which, which we do every night. And um, I told them that this is my most precious time of year. Uh, Actually, more than Christmas and more than Easter. I came into the church and I heard Catholics complaining, it's Lent, oh, I forgot, what am I going to have to give up something? Well, I don't think they said oi, but... (laughs) Um, And I, I listened to them and I said, you poor Catholics, you poor Catholics. From my Jewish background, we fasted. We fasted more than than a Catholic fast is. We fasted in our Jewish home primarily for Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, once a year. And it was 24 um, hours, no water, nothing at all. And I think, well, you Catholics are wimps. You can eat a meal and a couple of snacks. You can drink. That's crazy. Why? That's hardly fasting. But... Um, even so, tomorrow is Ash Wednesday. It is a day of fast where we would have no more than one meal and uh, two snacks that don't equal a meal, something like that, or two smaller meals that don't equal one meal, um, and total abstinence from meat, no meat. Same thing on Friday, and all the Fridays of Lent are uh, days of abstinence, and Ash Wednesday and Good Friday are days of fast. That is so minimal compared to historically to what used to go on at Lent. And I said to the sisters, for me, this is the most precious time because, again, I spent um, 18 years as an evangelical Protestant from my Jewish background trying to save Catholics and um, thought that we had a personal relationship with Christ and there was nothing more to be had this side of heaven. But now in the Catholic Church, I've found out And I'm in heaven on earth, all that our Lord has given us in establishing his church. And to allow us to walk with him through 40 days of his fast and wilderness sufferings, which he did for us, um, to me is, is the greatest privilege. When you love someone and they're suffering, you would, if you could, take away their sufferings. Well, we cannot take away our Lord's sufferings, but we can console him. We can walk alongside him. We can comfort him. And, and if you can't take away your loved one's sufferings, your husband, your child, your parent, your friend, <clears throat> at least you want to be with them, to walk with them, to accompany them, to comfort them, to help them as much as possible. And our Lord who we put to death for our sins. We put him to death. I put him to death. I nailed him to the cross. He came for sin. And he died. It was sin that killed the Savior. Not the Romans, not the Jews. They were players. But it was our sins that he came. He came to earth to die. 
and for us who nailed him to the cross. And yet, we would be his utter enemies. And yet, he loves us, unbelievably so. And he invites us to walk this 40 days with him. It, it is, and, and it's not the devil who sent him into the wilderness. It is um, uh, the devil who tempted him uh, in the wilderness. But it was God, the Holy Spirit, who when he came up out of the Jordan, sent him into the wilderness. And God is the one who put him through that 40 days of suffering in, in um, reparation for the 40 years that Israel uh, wandered in the desert, desert because of their sins. And the 40 days in the desert represent many other things. 40 is a great number in the, throughout the Old Testament. But I am astounded, one, that he poured his love on me. Secondly, that I believe. It doesn't surprise me who doesn't believe. It surprises me that I do. I, I'll never get over it. And that, you know, if you put somebody to death, you harm somebody, a stranger, even a friend, they don't want to look at you. They may forgive you, but they don't forget. They may want, not want you to accompany them. And here we put him to death. And he's into the wilderness. And he says, come, I want you with me. I want you to walk with me. I want to love you. I want to teach you how to combat the lust of the, um, uh, the eyes, the flesh, and the pride of life. Just as I combated those three temptations that the, uh, the devil put on Eve in the garden when Adam and Eve fell through the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That was it. Um, and those are the three temptations that our Lord combated in the desert. And those are the three temptations that he uses till the end of time on us. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. There's nothing new under the sun. Same old, same old he does. And he's gotten quite good at it. And we give in so easily. So why I love this time of Lent? Because the scriptures say Christ demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, not after we got our act together, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And while we were yet sinners, he rose from the dead to give life to all who would come to him. So, to me, this is a privilege to walk with the one I put to death. And who he is, if you think, well, I'm going to walk with the President of the United States, although these days that's not such an honor. I'm going to walk with the Queen. I'm going to walk with uh, the greatest bishop in the world, whatever it is. Who are you? I'm nobody, but they invited me. Guess what? They invited me. Well, guess what? God has invited us. God has invited us, us sinners, to walk with him and to comfort him and to console him. So first, it's an enormous privilege. And um, second, um, it's just a deep, deep happiness come on mother what's your problem you happy to suffer yes 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 because I'm also selfish and 
the suffering is going to make me a saint. It doesn't mean I'll be canonized a saint, but we are saints on earth. We are the called out ones. We are the ones separated from the world to God at our baptism. And the whole of our Christian life is becoming the saints that God has made us through baptism. And so I'm selfish. If I walk with our Lord through 40 days in the wilderness and I fast, I'm not going to suffer like he did because he doesn't put the sufferings on us that he put on his son through the devil. No. But I get to walk with him and I get to fast. Um, the lust of the eyes. I get to not look at things that I would might, may normally look at. So during Lent, beloved, turn your television off. Lust of the eyes. Turn it off. Yeah, but they're good programs. Turn them off. Let your eyes fast. But they're Catholic programs. Turn them off. Learn what it is to work with God, to walk with God. The custody of the eyes. Read. Turn off what is entertainment, even though it's Catholic. Stop that. Stop entertaining yourself. Read and pray and learn to walk with God. What about my children? Turn the TV off. I'd love you to throw it out during Lent. The only reason to have a TV or anything like that is for video. But there are good Catholic programs. I know, I don't put them down. But if you, have, if you watch TV or let your children watch TV more than two hours in an entire week, you're addicted. There's more profitable things to do. Read. Don't just sit back and be a couch potato. Throw the TV out. Lust of the eyes. And then the lust of the flesh. Fast from food. Fast. What do you mean fast, Mother? We're only supposed to fast on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday and stay uh, and keep abstinence, that is, from meat on, on all the Good Fridays, of, all the Fridays of Lent. Yes, I know. Will you be uh, a bad Catholic if you do the minimum? No, you won't be. But neither will you be very high in heaven. Do you know that the Church teaches that the degree to which we serve and love God on earth is the degree to which we will love and serve him through all eternity? That's true. So if you do the minimum on earth, are you in sin? You are not. But you are somewhat of a lazy, apathetic Catholic. And you will go into heaven with maybe a thimble full of love. And you will serve God for all eternity on that level. You see, but if you do more than the minimum, and you truly love God, and want to suffer with him and walk with him through the and take on additional penances and truly um, fight the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh not just with food but with refraining from entertainment and television and film and all of that stuff and parties then you'll go into heaven as not a thimble full of love but a cup full of love, and you will serve God on that much higher level through all eternity. Now, there's one vessel left. It's a bucket full of love. And we can go to heaven as buckets full of love. And I'll tell you how when we get back from the break, beloved. And when we come back from the second break, I'll take your calls and your emails toll-free, 1-877-511-5483.
you love listening to the Station of the Cross on your car radio, but sometimes find yourself driving outside the listening area? Never miss another minute of your favorite show. Download the iCatholic Radio app so you can listen anywhere in the world 24 hours a day. The iCatholic Radio app is available for your phone in the Apple Store or for your Android phone in Google Play. Visit thestationofthecross.com for more information. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard it said that the church has been weak and ineffective? Well, G.K. Chesterton says the church has been so powerful and effective that it colored even the things it had not hoped to influence and changed its enemies as well as its friends. It affects everything it touches. It inspires a life-changing love from its friends and a self-destructive hatred from its enemies. Its enemies will do everything to destroy it, and they end up destroying everything except the church. The Catholic Church, says Chesterton, has endured for 2,000 years, and the world within the church has been more lucid, more level-headed, more reasonable in its hopes, more healthy in its instincts, more humorous and cheerful in the face of fate and death than all the world outside. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience, wherever you enjoy podcasts. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved to Mother Miriam Live. I am Mother Miriam and I am live. Blessed be God forever. And I'm thrilled to be with you. Um, we, are do, we are now not in Monica's house, my dear friend Monica, who has given so much to assist us. Um, but we are home in our mobile home. And I understand there's some sort of a um, sound delay. So um, if we can fix that, we certainly will. Um, but at least uh, it's working, and I'm, I'm very happy for that. And when we, um, when we left prior to uh, this uh, first break, uh, we were saying that it is the teaching of the church, which very few people know, and I only learned some years ago, that the degree to which we love and serve God on earth uh, will uh, be the degree to which we love and serve him throughout all eternity. So if we do the bare minimum, then we serve him uh, throughout all eternity at a level of bare minimum. We will love him. When we go to heaven, there'll be no tears. We won't have regrets. We won't be jealous of someone who serves God at a higher level because we will serve him at our full level. And if we go in as a full thimble, we will be happy as a thimble for all eternity. But we can go in as a full cup by serving him even more. And uh, again, the thimble won't be jealous of the cup. 
and the cup won't be jealous of the bucket. But when we love him on earth, he, through his grace, enables us to enlarge our hearts for him so that we could serve him at ever deeper, higher levels. It's not a matter of pride to serve him a higher level because if we're filled with pride, we belong to the thimble. But um, it's a matter of love that wants to give up everything for the beloved. And Lent, to me, is the most wonderful opportunity of the year. I'm not a masochist, no. Do I like suffering? No. Do I like martyrdom? No, 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 no. I love uh, pleasure and lovely things and happiness. But I love God more. At least I want to love him more. I can't tell you I love God more. I can tell you I want to love God more. And to do that is to enter into his sufferings and to please him. And that's what Lent once a year gives us an opportunity to do, not for a day, but for 40 days. To me, it's the greatest gift he could give us. Uh, And so, uh, again, uh, we can, between now and our physical death, when we enter into eternity, most of us will enter into eternity through purgatory. It's not necessary. We can do enough sacrifices uh, and enough penances um, to make up for the temporal effects of our sin that we go straight to heaven. But I think there's very few of us who are so rid of self-love, which is the root of all sin, um, that we do not go to purgatory. Uh, people, people have said, well, what if someone doesn't believe in purgatory? Do they still go there? Of course. Uh, reality doesn't depend on our belief. What if someone doesn't, doesn't believe in God? Does that mean he doesn't exist? Of course not. So, um, because I love him now, and I want to love him more. How do I know I love him? Because of feeling? No. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You said, but I go before the Eucharist, and I don't feel anything. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about your feelings. That's the lust of the flesh. We want to feel good. Don't worry about that. Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you love me. He accepts that as love. When we obey him. We love him. But I don't feel it. Don't worry about that. If God wants you to feel it, he will give you, by his grace, those consolations. But we don't grow in times of consolation. We grow in times of the absence of consolation. So don't worry about your feelings. Don't measure your spirituality or your love based on your feelings. Don't do that. Men, don't measure your love for your wife based on your feelings. Sometimes you could love her and want to lay down your life for her, but you don't, you're not aware of her needs, and you don't do your part as a husband. Other times, you don't feel love for your wife or wives for husbands, the reverse, and you say, oh boy, why did I marry this man? Why did I marry this woman? But you lay your life down for her, and you live your vocation out of love for God first, that in order for you to love your wife, and you love her more than you'll ever love her necessarily by your feelings. Don't worry about feelings. First Corinthians chapter 13, love is kind. Uh, all of that, the whole description of love is what love does, not what love feels. It's what love does. So if we claim to love God, we can have this wonderful opportunity of loving him through Lent, with the lust of the eyes, throw your TV out or don't put it on, don't go to films, 
the lust of the flesh. Abstain from food. Make your meals simpler. You can give up dessert as a family and uh, take the money that you would spend for dessert and give it to the poor. You may say, well, but dessert is a cake. I baked it. It cost me $1.99 in the store. Fine. Put $1.99 aside and at the end of the week or at the end of Lent, give it all to the poor. Uh, whatever you refrain from, give it to the poor. Um, because during Lent, we need to do almsgiving as well as prayer. We need to do almsgiving as well as prayer and fasting. Those three things are characteristic of our life through Lent. So the lust of the eyes, the lust of, and don't read books that are not wholesome, uh, TV articles have custody of your eyes, which Eve did not have. And um, over the flesh, um, uh, from, from, um, uh, from food, from other areas of sensuality, uh, if you're in sin, stop it. Give it up, not for Lent, but for always. And then finally, the pride of life. If you fast through vanity instead of humility, um, if you fast because you want others to see, uh, if you fast because um, you think you'll be earning points with God or that you're better than someone, your fast doesn't count. It doesn't count. A fast of humility counts. Humility sees things sanely. Humility sees things as they are. If we're humble, we see ourselves as we are. Not proud, not better than anyone else, not worse than anyone else. If we think we're a little worse than this one, we put ourselves down, that's also pride. That's also pride. To be humble is to see what is reality. To be sane, to see things as they are. That's what it is. So we fast, we do everything through humility, um, through a right view of God and ourselves. I think, beloved, if we truly take this time as an enormous gift given to us by God, and again, I'm not sure it's a virtue for me to feel selfish about entering into Lent with our Lord. I do because I don't get to be a martyr during Lent. I get to be who I should. I get to walk with the God who loved me and gave his life for me. And I get to eat less and not satisfy my fleshly desires. And I get to do less and to see less. And I get to focus on God. And to me, it's a most, most beautiful time. A most beautiful time, beloved. So gather tonight as a family. And it, it'd be a good thing you don't have to keep it private. You can keep your penances private. In, in our um, Benedictine order here, by the rule of St. Benedict, the sisters need to bring to the prioress, um, or the prior in a men's order, um, or the abbot or the abbess, uh, a book that they're going to read during Lent and devour, not skim through, um, because that book needs to be approved for Lent, and they need to write down the penances they wish to do for Lent. I don't give them personal penances. They write down what they wish, and I need to approve it. And for some, it'll be little, and for others, it'll be a lot. 
It, ha- it depends on the person. And if I think a weak person is taking on too much, I won't approve everything. And if I think a strong person is taking on too little, uh, they'll have to have more. So it's a wonderful time. You can do that. Who knows your children better than you do, mom and dad? And you can let them bring you the penances they want to do. And if they do them in love, they will count. Absolutely. Um, And also we take on penances as a community. For example, instead of just abstaining from meat on Ash Wednesday and all the Fridays of Lent, we abstain from meat the whole of Lent. That's not a, it, it doesn't have to be, but we do that. Um, that what it, that's what it used to be for the whole world. So we abstain uh, altogether. And um, our fasting, uh, as Benedictines, we have one meal a day. One meal a day and very, very little for breakfast. So we have one meal a day. It's always after a Vespers. And... Um, and then we have coffee or tea or juice or something with it in the morning, very light. That's, that's how we spend Lent. And it's, if anyone needs to eat or they're going to faint, they, they need to eat. I'll order them to eat. Um, it's not a matter of heroism. It's not a matter of martyrdom. It's a matter of love. Our Lord ate nothing for 40 days. And he was sustained, yes, by the grace of God. But you say, well, that's easy. He was God. No, he, number one, he wasn't was God, he is God. And secondly, uh, he was tempted 100% in his humanity. He remains 100% man and 100% God, not 50-50. But he was tempted fully in his manhood, fully. So was he hungry? Yes. Was he tempted to turn the stones into bread? He was. Um, was he tempted... Um, to jump off the temple and show everybody he's the true Messiah. Yes, writer of the Hebrews says he was tempted in all things as we, yet without sin. So we have a high priest who entered into the Holy of Holies for us, knowing what it is to be tempted in his human nature, in every way we, but without sin. And that means he was tempted more than any of us will ever be tempted, because sin is the process or the act of giving into temptation. We stop the temptation when we give into it in sin. And of course, sin brings forth death. But Jesus never gave in. And so his temptation was carried through to the nth degree, beyond what any of us will ever be tempted, beloved. So when you walk through Lent, know, know that Jesus, though he is fully God, is yet fully man, and we will never be tempted. We will never suffer as much as he has. And he did it all for us. Let us, who are unworthy, we're not even worthy to suffer with him, but he invites us to do that. So get together as a family tonight and talk about all this and what your penances will be during Lent and what you will give up and what you will not do, uh, give up in activities and uh and what you will give to the poor. Because Lent, you need to fast, and you need to um, uh, do penance, and give almsgiving, which is giving to the poor. 
There's the music for our break, dear ones. We'll be back. We'll have the whole half hour to ourselves. And you're welcome to call in or write with anything on your heart. We'll be back. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for February 21st. Today we celebrate St. Peter Damien. Poverty and family neglect could have made Peter Damien a troubled person. Instead, he grew to be one of the great figures of the medieval church, a writer, a poet, and something the 11th century church especially needed, a reformer. Peter became a Benedictine monk and lived an austere life that focused on prayer, fasting, and abstinence. He was elected abbot and used his authority to speak out on some of the abuses of the time. These included the buying and selling of church offices and violations of clerical celibacy. After being made a bishop of a diocese near Rome, Peter spoke out in new ways, challenging various anti-popes who sought to displace the duly elected pontiff. While he was abbot, Peter periodically received calls from Rome to serve as peacemaker or troubleshooter between contesting groups. Finally, he was made Cardinal Bishop of Ostia, he ultimately asked to be relieved of these responsibilities, and receiving approval, Peter was happy to be just a monk once again. Peter Damien died in 1072. He was never formally canonized, but some 750 years later, he was declared a doctor of the church. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am Mother Miriam and we are live and absolutely thrilled to be with you um, we are one day from the beginning of Lent which is tomorrow and um, we have this entire half hour to ourselves for your calls, for your uh, emails anything that's on your heart toll free number one 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com we have Denise from Toronto on the line hi Denise oh, hello Mother Miriam, how are you today? I'm okay. How about yourself? I'm doing okay, too. Thank you. And, um, yeah, I was just calling because um, last week um, I was kind of touched by um, one of somebody who emailed you. I think her name was Josephine. And she had um, written to you. Uh, I think she was discerning a vocation but was thinking, you know, maybe it's not a good idea with the way, you know, what's happening in many convents and monasteries. Um, and I, I know yesterday I was reading about, in LifeSite News, about um, 
some two cloistered nuns who were defrocked by Pope Francis and their monastery Horrible. I read that too. shut down. Just and evil. yeah, evil. I just you know, and I, I myself, I'm, I'm in my fifties, and I've been discerning a vocation to enter a Carmelite mm. monastery, and. Um, mm. The, the thought comes to me that what if I, you know, what if I, and, you know, I mean, I, I, I worry about that, um, you know, something like that will happen. And if it does, what, what does one do? And, you know, is it better just to, you know, I, I think like Josephine, I sometimes wonder, is it better just to try to live a holy life, you know, on your own? And you can, you know, I live alone so I can have quiet and peace and pray. So it's, it's, you know, it's a tough decision. <laughs> I was just wondering what No, your it's not a tough were. decision, Denise. It's not tough, sweetheart. No, it's not tough. Um, it can be tough. I understand. I'm not negating the, that fact that it can be tough. But it's a call. If God is calling one to religious life, and how do you know that? It, well, primarily because it's the desire of your heart that doesn't go away and only increases. Then that's what you do. You follow him. What if you followed him into a Carmelite order and then you were beheaded uh, like the nuns were in the past? And what if you followed him into a Carmelite order and the Pope shut it down? So what? You're following God. That's the issue. You're not planning for a wonderful life. Um, uh, we, uh, you know, I, I, I've just moved uh, recently to T Tyler, Texas under Bishop Strickland. I'm I'm as happy as could be. I'm honored to be under this good man of God who will not compromise. And I say, well, what if the Pope moves him? What if the Pope shuts us down? I don't live on what ifs. We have today. We don't know that we have tomorrow. And we live with all our heart today, not based on what the unknown is tomorrow. If you believe you're called and you feel called and you want to discern the call to religious life in a Carmelite order, and they will receive you, don't let anything stop you. Don't let anything stop you. Let God direct your life. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. People get married, and they have children. Do they know the children will live past two? Do they know the world will be here in three years? Nobody. we don't know the future. But we live for God without hesitance, with discernment, but not with hesitancy, not based on the future, uh, because we don't know the future. Thank you, Mother. I, I almost want to cry because you just made me feel so much at peace now about this. So thank you Good. so much. Go for it. I don't know what you're discerning. I don't know what's holding you back. How, will they accept you, this Carmelite order? Yeah, well, I... I I've been in touch with him for a while, and um, because of COVID, I wasn't able to enter for like the observership. But they're, I'm probably going to try and enter in, in um, probably this summer, if not earlier. And um, yeah, I hope they will will take me in. Okay, don't hesitate. Do it. The, it's the only way you'll know God's will. Someone said, "How do you steer a big truck, um, fifty-three foot, an eighteen-wheeler?" How do you steer that if it's parked? You can't. You can't budget. But if you take the brake off and you, it begins to move, you can steer it with your pinky. You need to be on your way. Don't hesitate. Just do it, and God will lead you. Thank you, Mother. Okay, Denise. God bless you, sweetheart. Um, we have a call from Donna in New Hampshire. Hi, Donna. 
Good morning, Mother. How are you? I'm great, Donna. Thanks so much. Good. The question is this. Uh, Went to confession, and I could tell it was an elderly priest, and I was um, going through the sins uh, I wanted to confess. And then he abruptly ended the confession and wouldn't let me finish and gave me absolution. And my question is, um, I did have more sins I wanted to confess. Is this a valid confession? He gave me a penance. It is. Um, it is a valid. Okay. It is. God knows your heart. It is a valid confession. And if you wish the next time your confession to say to the priest, um, and these are sins that I would have confessed, but the priest cut me off or you cut me off. And I, I do want to state them. That's fine. Um, is it because he was crowded with a big line and wanted to go quickly? No, there was. I was the only one there. And then after I went into the church to do my penance, I looked around and he was just in the back, just walking back and forth in the church. So I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I he was well, or he is quite elderly. So I don't, I don't know if that was it or what it was. And and uh, I wonder if his hearing was good. You know, I'm wondering if he heard you well, and maybe if. I don't know how softly we're speaking, but if if he's elderly and has a hearing problem, he not he may not know he cut you off, or you may have paused for a point, and he may not realize he cut you off. So if that's the case, go to yes, you're forgiven, it's valid, but go to another priest or go back to him, and and um, I, I don't I don't blame you for this. You you didn't know I had more to confess. Would you allow me to confess it? And 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 take into consideration that he could have a hearing problem. Okay, very good. Thank you, Mother. God bless you. Y- you too, sweetheart. All right. We have an email from Peter. <clears throat> and Peter says, Dear Mother Miriam, I am 21. I'm from the UK. I am a practicing Catholic, and I'm also gay. Well, I'm just going to assume immediately, Peter, that you're not practicing as a gay man. Uh, because if you were, you would not be a practicing Catholic. But to have those tendencies and not give in to them, you could be a practicing Catholic. Peter says, I'm emailing you simply to ask if you really believe that I am a sinner just because of who I am and how I feel, bearing in mind my sexuality does no harm to any other person. Well, we're all sinners, Peter. We're all sinners. The question is, are you sinning uh, because are you in sin because of who you are and how you feel? No, no. Uh, that does not make you sin. But if you say, bearing in mind my sexuality does no harm to any other person, that's if you're not acting on it. If you're personally satisfying yourself sexually, it affects everyone on earth because that is grave, grave sin. And so if you're not acting on your sexuality, on your feelings, you're not acting out in any way, you're suffering, and you're asking God to free you from that, uh, and you're taking steps to be healed from that, there's no sin in that. But if you act on it personally, um, privately, that is grave sin, and if you know it, it's mortal sin, it, it will cause you 
to be separated from God for all eternity if you die in that state. So there is those, those distinctions. Uh, Peter says, moreover, nowhere in the Gospels does Christ make any reference to homosexuality, let alone condemn it. Um, yeah, I think he does. Uh, he said if this generation, whatever he called this generation, if he, if he saves them, he'd have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of homosexuality. And of course, Paul's letters say that no homosexual will enter heaven. So there's uh, the, 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 the scriptures exist beyond the four gospels. But even in the four gospels, Jesus affirms that homosexuals will not be in heaven. They will be in hell. Please understand, I'm not trying to attack your views. They're not my views. They're scriptural. I understand that. Or disrespect you in any way. I'm just a curious 21-year-old. I look forward to hearing back from you. God bless Peter. Peter, um, I, you're not attacking uh, anything. You're, you're sincerely asking, and I appreciate that. Um, if you were attacking, you wouldn't be attacking me. You'd be attacking the gospel, you'd be attacking the truth, which is what the gospel means, the good news of the truth of Christ. So, um, uh, again, if you act out on your um, uh, uh, your gay uh, tendencies, whether it's privately or with others, you are in grave, grave sin. And if you think you're a practicing Catholic, then you are responsible for those sins. And you are on your way to hell um, by your own uh, admission and desire. So, um, and actions. So, I would say, dear Peter, um, you are wounded uh, to have those desires. I don't know how or why, but um, this is uh, an intrinsic disorder that you can you can be helped with it so you don't have to suffer but to act it out is to enter into grave sin even if there's no other person involved here's a second email from peter um, who says dear mother miriam i have listened to your most recent podcast in which you say that it is through saint paul that our lord condemned homosexuality i understand your view well, again, it's not my view, it's scripture. I understand your view as it is the letter to the Corinthians in which St. Paul does make reference to homosexuality. My point back to you would be that St. Paul also states that women are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive. Surely Christ believes in equality and does not truly wish that women should be submissive to men. That's incorrect. He means exactly what St. Paul says. Women need to be submissive. That does not negate their equality. Christ is equal with God. Christ is God and the Son of God and God the Son. He is equal with God, but their roles are different. He came to earth submissive to his Father. He said, I do always the things the Father tells me. He's submissive to his Father, even though they are equally God. Christ is not sub-God. He is equally God, and yet he was submissive to his Father. Men and women are equal in dignity before God, but God gave them roles. 
that the man was, his vocation is to be the head of the family and the wife is to be the heart. The man is to rule the family by laying down his life in love and the mother is to be the heart of the home by submitting to her husband as to Christ. When she submits to her husband, she is submitting to Christ. Excuse me. In all but sin, Peter says, I agree with you that the teachings of Christ cannot be changed. Excuse my hiccups. And that anyone that does not believe in every teaching of Jesus cannot truly follow the Catholic faith. However, I focus my belief in God and Jesus on the Gospels and our Lord's greatest commandment, love each other as I have loved you. Well, a man does not love his wife if he rules, lords it over her. But if he lays down his life for her, that's the love God intended a man uh, to love his wife with, and that's the love to which God intends a woman to submit. Uh, There's the break. Um, uh, Dear Peter uh, and others, I'll you're almost at the end of your email and I'll continue it as soon as we get back we'll have 10 minutes dear ones when we get back and you're welcome to call in with anything on your on your heart one 511 hello beloved this is Mother Miriam many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross such as the Catholic Current Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. Catholic Radio has just been a lifesaver for me. I start my day with it. I listen to it all day long as much as I can. There's always people calling in with people who've lost children, and I love everyone has to say and the advice of the Catholic Church and how to deal with suffering. It has given me the strength to get through the day and to get out of bed each morning. I am very grateful for it. Catholic Radio to me has been very informative on my religion. It has informed me of many things that I wasn't aware of or should have been aware of, and I've enjoyed it very much listening to it. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us. Bumper magnets are a great way to promote the gospel as proclaimed through Catholic radio. We hear all the time from new listeners who were introduced to the station through a bumper magnet. We'd be happy to send you a bumper magnet so that others can come to know our Lord. Just go to thestationofthecross.com and find our bumper magnet request button under the About tab. That's thestationofthecross.com under the About tab. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment, and we have um, about 15 minutes. Um, uh, no, 10 minutes left. So you're welcome to call in, dear ones, with anything on your heart. I'm looking something up for Peter. Um, Peter, we're right in the middle of his email. Um, hold on now. Um, Hmm. Okay. Um, sorry for that little um, silence there. Um, <clears throat> Peter says he suffers with <clears throat> homosexual tendencies. I'm not sure if he acts them out. He thinks that Jesus doesn't speak about it, and he does. Um, um, and Paul speaks about it in, in a number of his letters um, um, and and so Peter says I agree with you that the teachings of Christ cannot be changed and that anyone that does not believe in everything Jesus teach in every teaching of Jesus cannot truly follow the Catholic faith correct <clears throat> however I focus my belief in God and Jesus on the Gospels and our Lord's greatest commandment love each other as I have loved you now Peter uh, you're welcome to focus yourself on Jesus in the Gospels. That's that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But uh, the teaching of the Church is the all of Scripture, because it was given. It's the Word of God and given to the world by the Catholic Church. So if you focus on one part, you're fine. But if you focus on one part to the negation of anything else, then you're not Catholic. If you fail to believe one point of Catholic teaching that makes you a Protestant, then you're not Catholic. Um, and you cannot love one another as Jesus loved us. He laid down his life for us. We don't love one another by sinning against their body, by leading them into sin. Um, Paul, uh, Peter says, lastly, I am a practicing Catholic and have struggled with my sex sexuality. I turn to the Gospel of John where I hear the language you use towards homosexual. If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. Um, many thanks and best wishes, Peter. Peter, the world doesn't hate homosexuals. I mean, they may. God doesn't hate homosexuals. He loves them. He died for them. He died for everyone. But he hates sin. And he hates homosexuality. So if you act out your homosexuality, homosexu you are acting out what is intrinsically disordered and very sinful and will keep you from heaven and will send you to hell. We can't pick and choose. There's no such thing as a cafeteria Catholic. We can call ourselves Catholic, but if we uh, fail to believe one thing, Peter, we are on our way to hell by our own choice. Uh, let me just see. Uh, the, the scripture you yourself um, have quoted here of Paul's letter to the Corinthians. I'm going to read that because you you reference it here. Let me just type it in. Um, I think you've got the passage, actually, one of them that I've been thinking about. Um, oh, no, that's, that's just something else. Um, hold on one moment now. 
I don't know if you've done um, uh, a search on on scripture and what it teaches about homosexuality, but um, let me just give you a few verses here. Um, uh, the whole chapter of from verse 18 down of Romans chapter 1. Um, uh, okay, the Leviticus also says that, of course, not to have uh, relations with a man as one does with a woman. It's detestable. Um, Romans says, oh no, they, they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. They not only they, the men, Romans chapter 1, verse 32, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Um, First Kings in the Old Testament, he expelled the male shrine prostitutes from the land and got rid of all the idols his ancestors had made. Um, Romans one twenty seven. in the same way the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Um, I'm going to skip many Old Testament verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, do you not know... <clears throat> that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And he says, speaking to the Corinthians, which was the first church that Paul founded, because he knows them, he says, that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified through baptism, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God, so you don't need to practice those things anymore. You have the grace of God in you to deny them. Paul says in 1 Timothy, we know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God which he entrusted to me, says Paul. And he says in Hebrews, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves are suffering. In Hebrews, the, he was writing to persecuted Christians who were in, 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 in prison, mostly Jews. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and never be content with what you have, because and rather be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. 
Um, here's from the Gospel, Peter, John chapter 8. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, now this is the woman caught in adultery, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Peter, Jesus says the same to you. And all who are caught in sin, no one condemns you. Neither do I condemn you. Confess your sins. Repent as that woman did. And go and sin no more. Leave your life of sin, and you will not be condemned. If the woman went from there and continued her life for sin, of sin, she would be condemned to hell by her own choice. You're in the same boat, dear Peter. You need to repent, be like the woman at the, at the uh, not the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, and repent, and God will forgive you and leave your life of sin and have a new life in Jesus, be a new creation. God bless you all. We'll speak with you all tomorrow.